Peace. Assalamu alaikum. What's up, everyone? Yo, yo. Welcome back to another episode of Tea Time Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Yo, don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to follow me on Spotify. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to stay tuned on anywhere that you may listen to your podcast. And I thank you all for the support. I thank you all for continuing to listen. Now, we are going to get into part two, let's get right into it, of the Zoom call with my sister, Brianna X, about the educational system and our experiences as teacher and student. All right, enjoy. All right, so we have a few questions that you wanted to ask me, so Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you the space before I ask this last question to ask me those questions now. All right. So I know I, I know you talk about and you just said too um, that you know religion wasn't that important to you um, and how you weren't looking to convert anybody. So my question is to you spiritually: Where were you at that age of twenty one, and how did that impact you? Like, why did you? How could you have said now that you weren't into religion or whatever the case? Whereas back then it was, that was just who or what you thought about, like, how did that impact you? Mm. Um, So spiritually at 21, I was in a place where I was learning about other forms of spirituality. So outside of the realm of Islam, I was learning about Rastafari. I was learning about uh, just black movements. I was learning about um, Malcolm X in the perspective of other people other than the nation of Islam fighting with them in that um, I was learning about the idea of until that day, having this um, vigorous spirit to make change and keep going and keep moving and keep pushing until the day where we see and we reap the fruits um, that we've been sowing and we reap the, the fruits of what we created so far. That was so hard and so difficult for us to do. Um, so I was kind of in that realm of, looking far beyond where I was. That's what mm-hmm. I'll say. Spiritually, mm-hmm. I wasn't present. I was mm-hmm. more looking to change things. Mm. And I thought that I would be able to do that immediately. Mm. So spiritually, I wasn't kind of, I was very optimistic spiritually, but I wasn't very grounded and solid. Mm. Mm. So that's what I can say. So I wasn't um, going to the mosque because I was in college. I wasn't, hadn't been going to the mosque very frequently, but I was involved in things like making sure that we had a room at Rutgers, my university, making sure we had a room to showcase the minister's Holy Day of Atonement address, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, so spiritually, I was, I was inspired. Let's say that. I was inspired spiritually, but I was not grounded and rooted in who I knew I was. I didn't know who I was. We'll say that at 20. So, so looking back on that now, how do you feel? How would you say that impacted you as far as what you did and things that you may could or could have done better had you been spiritually grounded? Mm. I was, I believe life is in phases. So I was happy for that moment that I was in. I, I don't have any regrets of it. And I would have wanted to be more grounded. I think that would have helped me in the classroom, just mentally, because I went into a dark space while I was teaching. I wasn't doing well for myself. I was very depressed, Mm -hmm. um, which you may not have seen in the classroom because I put on a face. 
but I was struggling every day I went home. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of where I was, I was seeking other knowledge. I was able to read a book. <laughs> if I wanted to know something, I would read a book, find a documentary, um, listen to a lecture by the minister. I was still doing that, but I was seeking knowledge always trying to fill my brain with something, um, positive, uh, even through music, the types of music I listened to was intentional. Um, and I was, because I wasn't so grounded in a specific way of life, I was able to connect with a lot of new people who were coming into my life. And I was able to better mesh with a new city because mm. I would go to my aunts, I would go to my roommates and ask them for advice in certain things or ask them for guidance in certain things. Or I lived with a, a house full of teachers, some who, who continued that year, some who didn't and went home, some who struggled. We all struggled. <laughs> Not some, we all were struggling um, as first year teachers, but I was in a house full of teachers. So because I wasn't so grounded in myself, I would say I was able to lean on them and we were able to create some bonds that maybe would not have been there if right. I was as grounded in myself as I am today. Mm. So that's I so good. Yeah, that's that's a good reflection. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Cause when you think about it, you really did come, came to a new city. When I look at your life, especially in Baltimore, you mm. came to a new city and you conquered what you were there for. Like, mm. Like, you literally were a teacher at 21 years old. Like, how many people can say that? I know we hear about stories that, um, you know, uh, students graduate college at, like, 16, or they graduate high school at, like, 14. But to become a full-fledged teacher, and I mean full-fledged, like, you had to get in there and do your job Mm -hmm. um, at 21 years old, that's just, like, that's awesome. Because, like, who does that? (laughs) um and so with that being said so being as though your students weren't that much younger than you at the time um were you able to handle the stories they told you about their daily lives um which was quite different from yours at that age if so how and I know we talked about earlier you know the fact that you were living in the suburbs going to school in the suburbs etc etc but if you could specifically chime in on that question like what would you what would you say about being able to handle the the student stories at that time and where you were in life and stuff like that like how did were you able to handle it if so um I would say I was Mm -hmm. because I'm non-judgmental or I was a lot more non-judgmental than I am now I'll be honest um (laughs) but I was very non-judgmental I was very optimistic back then So I wasn't expecting anything, nor was I assuming anything about my students. Mm. So I left an open book for my students to write in, kind of. We'll say that. That's what's up, yeah. Yeah, so I was very prepared for the stories that I got. Man, y'all are crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Every way. (laughs) Like, and I don't think it's just because y'all come from a city and I'm from the suburbs. This, this, these later generations, not generations, but these later and younger people y'all experience so much and you're subjected to so much more even with you know the technology of a phone so there were some crazy things some very extremely painful and hurtful things as well those were the things I would say like when students would share with me their trauma that was I was able to handle it emotionally but I was 
I always wanted to go to a source. So I would call up my mom because I always wanted to go to a source about how do I then relate to that student? Mm -hmm. Um, Is there something that I needed to do for that? Because my mom is a practicing psychologist. So she was my source because I didn't want to be just flamboyant with ideas just because I'm leaving an open book for you to tell me things. I don't want you to just say it and then you be left in the wind. I wanted to make sure that I'm also being responsible for the information that students are opening up to me with. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially since as a teacher, you're um, a, if somebody tells me I'm going to hurt myself, da da da, I'm legally bound to then report it. Right. So I wanted to make sure I was still responsible. Um, so I would go to my mom all the time for with things. Um, and she would tell me sometimes, you know, they, they just wanted to tell you that. And then I would have to learn to just let things go. It's not going to be mm-hmm. fixed. It's not, you can't fix people's lives. Mm-hmm. But being that point person, I was definitely prepared for that because I went in with the mindset that that is what's going to happen. I'm going to be that mm-hmm. teacher that people can open up to. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be that that confidant because I know that when I was in school, I didn't have that. Mm-hmm. I was in school. People just kind of looked over me. She's a good student. That's not what was going on. Right. So let me be that person who would, who would reach out to that type of student where you don't see what they're going through, but mm-hmm. you can still connect with them and let them know I see you. Mm-hmm. So that. having those connections and building those relationships with your students, like, because... I feel like there's two, two, um, I don't know, maybe levels, if you will, whereas, or sides, let me use sides, because you come into this new city, you go to this new school, and you know, the children love you, students love you, um, y'all build a relationship, y'all have a connection, because I know, for me, especially, like, you were our go-to pe- person. Like whenever something was happening in that school or we needed to say something, like you was our go-to person, especially for that year. Um, and so, you know, you have that side where you didn't build this relationship with the students. You all, y'all are all connected or we are all connected. And then you have this instant where it's like, bruh, I cannot teach in these schools because the school system isn't what I thought it was going to be or whatever the case. So what was your immediate reaction when you realized this dream of yours, being a teacher was above or beyond you, especially in inner city schools where your people are like, what was that immediate reaction? And also too, how do you feel like you told your students in the best of manners? Mm. Uh, of like when that decision was going to be made and then you end up actually leaving like Mm. talk about that um so like I said before I made that decision before I met you all I knew I wasn't going to continue in 2016 or 2017 I wasn't going to be there that school year um so I left it open because it was still my dream to be a teacher and I wanted to do it so I said, maybe I'll go in and I'll love the school. It is a good school, supposedly, from what I hear. So maybe I will stay this year after. Um, but the moment where I realized it was above and beyond me was with how the teachers treated me, actually, the faculty, mm-hmm. um, specifically in my department, but the teachers, all the faculty wasn't bad. I had some that I really looked up to and liked. But there, it's like I was expected to come in with no ideas of my own. Mm. It's like they expected me to come in, 
ask them for everything that I needed in order to be a successful teacher, ask them what's appropriate in the classroom, ask them how they do things in their department. Mm. It's like they wanted me to do that. Mm. They don't know me. (laughs) You don't realize that I spent my entire life training to be this. This Mm. is my dream. I have a vision for what I want and it has nothing to do with how you do things because my vision is far beyond what is current and what is present and acceptable. Mm. So the way I do things in my classroom is the way I'm going to do things in my classroom. When I'm observed and evaluated by the professionals who are trained to observe and evaluate me, when they give me tips on how to improve, then that's when I take that feedback and I improve because I know structurally I'm not intelligent. I have no experience. So that's where I need to work on. But mentally, spiritually, I have a way of how I want to function in the school. And it seems like I was ostracized um, by, by the department from what I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, not really. Yeah. Ostracized in the way that they'll come to the classroom. Hi, how are you? Yes, is that is great? correct. Cause I bear witness sometimes <laughs> uh-huh. of them doing that. And I was always so pissed off. Cause I'm like, what are you doing? Like what? Mm-hmm. She not bothering y'all. Yeah. So yes, I, I bear witness. And in all honestly, honesty that was the first time in my life I experienced being ostracized like that in my life my high school wasn't some petty high school where you can't sit with us that wasn't my high school Mm. I was a shy and somebody who didn't put myself out there a lot but I always had friends in the way that the people who surrounded me they were kind I had Mm -hmm. kind people around me people who didn't if they didn't like you they just didn't deal with you If you were a person that were offensive, then they would deal with you whatever way they had to. But Mm -hmm. I always fashioned myself so that I'm not offensive. And I just kept my business with my business. And I didn't worry about spreading it to others so I wouldn't affect other people. Mm -hmm. So that's how I'm functioning. But still, I'm getting kind of like pushback from the department that surrounded me, other Mm -hmm. than a few or a couple. So I was pissed. One, because I felt like I was doing something wrong because I always blamed myself back then. Yes. And then two, um, because I'm like, yo, these are adults, but they act like a, a, excuse me, they act like a bunch of damn kids. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm in a high school cafeteria right now. Mm -hmm. So this is my first experience in the adult world, so-called, and it's petty. So I was pissed. So I said, all right, cool. Do not come into my classroom. This is my classroom. Yep, I remember that, that is your classroom. This is your office. I will not, <laughs> I'll go to the teacher's office when I need to make copies in the morning. And that's when you'll see me. Don't, don't mess with me. I have my teachers I go to who are, um, I can be associates with, you know who you are. And then those of you who are not associates to me, don't try to come to my classroom pretending that you are. Mm-hmm. So. It kind of, it became a very cold environment. And that's Mm -hmm. when I realized, look, I'm not putting myself through this again for another year. I love my students. I love the relationships I was able to build. I know that I can do positive things and am doing positive things in the classroom. And I know that I can, if I continue, improve my teaching construction and structure and process to be Mm -hmm. more stern in the classroom too, because I was very young still. Y'all got away with a lot. (laughs) Um, But I'm I'm not putting myself emotionally and mentally through this stuff anymore because I wasn't in an environment that was 
uh, positive. That's right. what it wasn't positive. Self care. Mm-hmm. Facts. Like self-care. I said, self care. That's the real self care. Real. Like, and so mm-hmm. it was sad to leave you all, really. Mm-hmm. But um, I had to take care of myself. So <laughs> speaking on that and staying on that topic right there, um, my next question was going to be like, of course, with the relationships that you build, the students love you. We all loved you, um, your time at the school and even outside, because, of course, we all um, kind of or tried our best to keep that relationship alive. So did you see that love and those relationships fade? Um, And if so, like, how do you get that back? Like, is that a thing that you see you should get back? Or, because, you know, most of the times relationships fade. It's like, okay, they had their due season. Like, it's cool. But those being your students and, you know, almost like, um, you know, that Oprah show, Where Are They Now? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, where are your students now? Or where is your teacher now? So, like, how how do you get that back, those loving relationships, if they faded? and stuff like that like how do you get that back um mm, this is a hard question yeah it is uh it definitely faded the relationships because I was in close contact with all of my students um they needed something they were able to hit me up come to my classroom and that couldn't happen anymore I'm not good with keeping contact with people in general mm-hmm. and Definitely was not good, and I'm not good with keeping contact with students, especially mm-hmm. so many students. Yeah. So you, I did see it fade, um, but social media helps. Mm-hmm. Living in Baltimore did help because I was able to, how you doing? Da, da, da. Yep. Let's go out for lunch. Let's, Let's go out link. for dinner. Yep. How are you doing? How are your parents Like able to do that? Um, once I moved away from Baltimore and got wrapped up in my own life and because my life is still priority. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very guilty leaving Baltimore. I was mm-hmm. very guilty. I felt like I did kind of let relationships fall and I felt like people do need me and I'm not there and available. Mm-hmm. Um, but after growing up a little, because I'm almost 26 now, mm-hmm. I realized that I, I cannot be a crutch for everyone. Um while those relationships will fade in terms of contact, the influence that you have on someone, and that goes both ways that I had on them and they have on me, that can never fade if it were real. If that were a positive influence, even a negative influence, but that influence that you have on each other does not fade. And that's what's important. It's not about keeping in contact, about keeping relationships. It's about the purpose that person had in your life yeah the way that they were because somebody really doesn't ever leave your life if they have a purpose in it that's facts that's facts wow that's facts Mm -hmm. and I think of even our relationship we had a specific type of bond to where it went from in the classroom to uh going out to lunch and dinner to the mosque to now we speaking sister to sister from two different sides of the country or parts of the country right so it what need what develops will develop um even without contact I'll just read a message I got today mm-hmm. that made me realize that I did let go of the guilt mm-hmm. um but a message I got today on social media from a student today wow. <laughs> yeah so wow. I'm just gonna share it because <laughs> I that I was like praise be to Allah 
Mm -hmm. So this is in response. I saw that this student posted that she's going to be starting a podcast. She's going to be doing this. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I wrote on social media, congratulations. That's awesome. Great job. I'm proud. Mm -hmm. And she's, and I said, I hope you're safe because coronavirus happening. She Mm -hmm. says, same to you. I always see your posts and stories. You've been one of my biggest inspirations since city. Stay Mm. safe and healthy and keep doing what you're doing. Mm. Praise be to Allah. Mm. And this is one of the students that I did not spend all the time with when I was teaching. Mm -hmm. I didn't spend all the time with her. She was very shy, very closed off. Mm -hmm. After city, I met up with her maybe a couple times, um, caught up with her on social media. but our contact wasn't heavy, but like I said, the inspiration and the purpose that you have in someone's ha- in l- someone's life will always be there. She's still watching me. I didn't know that. Mm, right. <laughs> she is right. still watching me. And that, that made me so happy because that's what I believe teaching is. Mm. Teaching is not, I'm, I'm an English teacher. I'm here to teach you the conjugations of this grammar. Because number one, we don't do that. Right. Grammar is not taught in schools, and that's a big downfall. It needs to be taught. Plug. Please teach grammar in high schools again and middle schools. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and cursive writing. And cursive writing. Please don't put iPads in the class. Get them composition no- notebooks. <laughs> but, um, shoot, what was I saying? <laughs> Messed myself up. About how that inspiration sticks. Exactly. That inspiration is what teaching is. Mm-hmm. because teaching education is educing. Let me look up the word educe. This is the philosophy that I wrote about in my education courses in class mm-hmm. and the philosophy I base my teaching off of. This is so awesome. <laughs> it is. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oop, not elude. Educe. No, not edude. So educe is a verb that means to bring out or develop something latent or potential. Mm, the minister talks about that. Yes. Because my, yeah. my philosophy is the philosophy of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. Mm. So when I think of education, it's not me teaching you English and putting that in your head so you can pass this test and go to college. No. What? Mm. Educe is nothing about me giving you anything. All that I'm able to give you is the structure and the format so that you can realize what is inside of you. Yes. My job is to pull out of you what is in there because we are all made with what we need. Yes. We just need the structure to be able to let it out and yes. to bring it forth. And <laughs> praise be to Allah, I'm able to still do that even without being in a classroom. So I go back to what my mom told me, you know, I don't see you in a classroom. And she told me before I took the job, too. She said, you're not going to like it. And I was like, I probably won't, but I'm going to do it. (laughs) Right, right. Just so you can see, like, what you're capable of. I love the fact that your mom even said that. Because, you know, back then, you probably looking at her like, Ma, why are you saying that? Like, what are you trying to shoot down my dreams? But no, she saw what was in you not being successful in the classroom just for the mere fact that, what you do is way out of way outside of the classroom. Like its effects are still outside of the classroom, and I feel like I'm a perfect representation of that for you because we still have a relationship today, and there's some things 
um, that I've learned from you and just your way of being that I applied to myself and not that, that it wasn't already in me, but you helped me to see it. So mm. yeah, Praise that's real. To Allah. That's real. <laughs> Praise be that's to real. Allah. <laughs> that's real. Hey, and that's not to say I can't do it again. If I go into a classroom now, I know I can stick it out for two years at least. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe. But is you know i like i said i don't regret any experience that mm-hmm. life brings even when you, we take wrong turns there's a lesson in it yes. when we turn back to the right way in the straight path so i'm just thankful for you i'm thankful for the experience i was able to have as a teacher i'm mm-hmm. thankful for me having the the gall to leave that teaching position Mm-hmm. Um, and I thank a lot for the guidance to be able to do it all. Yes. Because nothing is without him. <laughs> nothing. Yep. Dang, this is this was a great interview. <laughs> you got me in my bag. <laughs> Praise be to Allah. <laughs> so I want to close it off kind of thinking forward. Um, and you're not a teacher, and I don't know if you want to be your teacher in that in that realm of education. <laughs> Nah, at all. <laughs> nah, but I'm more of on like the mentor counselor side. Like I can help with that, but a teacher, nah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we know now with coronavirus, most of the schools are shut down. So I said now we're about to be in the summer break. But in September, we probably in August for other states, we probably will still be shut down. So mm-hmm. school is online. High school students are expected to complete their assignments mainly with parental and self-discipline. And middle school students, I'll put in, because they're a crazy bunch. Do you think this is a plausible schooling structure for students like you were? So thinking in your mind, oh, damn. (laughs) No. (laughs) Why not? No. And I say that because... In, in school, right, mm-hmm. based off of whatever school you went to, and I'm going to speak from the perspective of city. We at, at city and in city, um, we are taught, we, we get prepped for college, right? On college, you automatically, you on your own. Teachers not going to remind you to do this. Teachers aren't going to remind you to do that. And that's exactly how our teachers were, mm-hmm. right? And so a lot of the times we would have um, at home assignments that we had to do completely by ourselves. Like you could bring your work in to get questions answered, but majority of that work was for you to do at home and you bring it back and they check it. That was just that. Mm-hmm. And so that for us would not be a problem because we was used to it, especially students of city at city. We used to that 12 pages, 12 long pages of writing or whatever the case used to it. Today, we're in a space where, and I can say this, especially because I have younger brothers um, and a sister who, first off, they lazy. (laughs) Secondly, they need help with everything. And I'm not saying that help is bad, Mm -hmm. but every little thing they need help with as if they've been blindly wandering on or being blindly taught this whole entire time of their school career. Mm. 
Like, literally. You know how we were just joking, saying, bring cursive writing back and bring this back, et cetera, et cetera? It really needs to be brought back because mm. these students don't know mm. what putting in real work is or what doing work is. You got a lot of babyfying going on and a lot of pacifying going on in these schools today. I mean, for God's sakes, there's the um, no child get left behind rule. This mm -hmm. child doesn't even know what they're supposed to know at this age, grade, or time. And you mean to tell me you sending them to the next grade? Mm. Like they literally being swept along. And so with the online thing, um, for a majority of these students today, I don't feel like it's beneficial. I don't feel like it's possible for the school structure, none of that. Um, and as far as the parents, I mean, we can see as this coronavirus thing has gone on and on for months now that moms and especially moms and fathers, parents in general are having a hard time mm -hmm. because they aren't even up to date with what the school structure or um, uh, um, school structure, their discipline, whatever it is. They're not even up to date with what's going on. We were just talking about not too long ago how the math problems look outrageous today. Mm -hmm. What are these math problems that they got going on? Nothing. And so it's hard for the parents. And then it's hard on the student because they used to their teacher telling them everything mm. or showing them how to do everything, not letting them think for themselves, which is indeed what the school system wants anyway, mm. for them not to think for themselves, but to be somebody else's worker and to get strung along in, in a career or a, a discipline. So, no, I don't think at all. I don't think nothing about it is good at all i don't hmm. I only the only good that i see in it is the fact that if a parent is in their right mind and they're helping their child like willingly helping their child um with that uh with the school online and all of that if they're sorry y'all if they are um willingly helping their children and wanting to learn with their children i can see it being beneficial because now you create an apparent um parent-child bond in a school aspect, if you will. Mm -hmm. Not just, oh, go to school and learn, and then you come back home and don't talk to me nothing about it. No, it's a different dynamic now. So that's the only way I see it being beneficial. But other than that, nah, nah. Mm -mm. I agree with that. And with that, we will wrap it up. I just want to, want to close with the structures of America as Minister Louis Farrakhan writes in the book, A Torchlight for America, he breaks that book down with the different structures of America, economy, education, health, defense. He breaks down all of those systems and he tells us that they don't work. We didn't believe it in 1993 because things were smooth. But now we see that a coronavirus could shut down every single one of the American systems, economy, defense, tax, education. It shuts it down in one day, if not less. So with what Brianna said about the educational system and what we see today, it's not working. It did not work because it can't even transition into the home, which is the safest place, the most comfortable place for a student. So if it's not able to transition to a, a home, 
how plausible was that educational system when it was outside of the home? Right. Mm, and that's question. the p- question I want to pose to everyone, all of us, to think Good on. Good question. Um, yeah, thank you. But the educational system, I wanted to bring this episode to light. It needs to be reformed. It needs to be scrapped <laughs> and redid. And specifically what we see now is that the parents, the students, and the teachers, and the, the government, politics, school board, they should have been working to, together to create what we see and what we saw in the realities of school. If that were the case, it would have been a simple and easy transi- transition. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But everything is separated. The business of education, which it is a business, is far removed from the person, the student, the parent. I'm sorry, y'all. Hold on. It's far removed. So in order for us to move forward, we should work together as individuals since school is in the home. Sorry, y'all. Get our families right. That's number one. Get our families right. Get our families right. Let me start building. If you don't already, I'll I'll talk since you. All right. I'm going to put this on mute real quick and call my sister back. Okay. Um, Since, you know, our, um, I forgot what I was already saying, but, you know, family is the first area and structure that should be built for us, especially African or Black people. I'm not even going to try to BS it. Black people in America, like family is important. If we haven't already, let's start building those close relationships with each other. Um, You know, doing what we do outside of our families with other people and bring that into our own families because the family structure is what is what makes everything like it's where we learn our first lessons, morals and values like and education has to be key. Education has to be one has to be one of those things in the first place we learn everything from is our family. So let's get that aspect together. And then I think a lot of things will flow on and on because you can work together to figure out what you don't know. But you can't work by yourself and then expect you to know everything. Thanks. You don't have everybody in your circle. <laughs> Absolutely. So, but yeah. the greatest thing about this pause called coronavirus is that now we have time to think about it. <laughs> so we definitely hope that, um, like Brianna said, we can do better within our families. We can reach out to other people in our community so we can do better as a community. Mm-hmm. And then that when schools do reopen, we can go in and demand that some things will go down to yep. ensure the safety and the eduction. Is that a word? <laughs> but that our, our children can be properly educed so that they can grow up to be amazing adults who make this world look far better than what it is today. Right. And they gonna remember this pandemic time and be like, man, the pandemic, they, that really got me, that time got my family. Right. I mean, my mother wasn't playing. My father wasn't playing. We couldn't do blah, blah, blah. You know, so that'd be beautiful that's beautiful Mm -hmm. but thank you brie this was a beautiful beautiful and amazing um interview i had a great time too yeah thank you for having me because this this topic in general is one that i don't talk much about just because like i don't really care about my high school career that much but (laughs) i mean like in a way i'm not gonna carry on that conversation but you know I mean it made me think especially about my brothers and my sister like what are they learning what are they getting out of the time that we have right now 
especially with me being in a whole different state. Mm. But anywho, so I'm grateful for this. Thank you for having me on here. Tea Times podcast. <laughs> of course, got you. And you know, for that, if you are listening and you're a tutor online, you can tutor online through Zoom. Um, put your information, DM us, uh, message us on Anchor, message us on Instagram, uh, anywhere. We'll put the information into the show notes. You can email me. If you have any services tutoring, you have any services as a teacher and you're teaching online right now, put your information in. We can put you in a pot so that when there are people like Brianna's family or um, like somebody I know who needs assistance teaching their child or teaching, um, then you can, you're a resource now. Mm-hmm. So go ahead, be a resource, put your information in. Thank you all for listening. Thank you, Bree, for being here. Thank you a lot for this experience. That's and right. shout out to you all. We pray that everyone stays safe, everyone stays healthy, and that we have a positive week. Peace.